Producer Michael Miracle here, and before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to quickly invite you to join the I Work For Him Nation. Being a part of the nation is all about being Jesus in your workplace, because you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. So, head to our website, iworkforhim.com, and click on the nation flag, then prayerfully consider joining the nation. We'd love for you to join us in this workplace movement. Thanks again for listening. Here's today's podcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning into I Work For Him today. And boy, do we have a doozy of a show for you today. We've all done it. We've questioned the roots of our faith. It's almost something that you kind of have to do. Sometimes you just want to know, is it based on fact or is it based on fiction? Is there really proof that Jesus did exist? Living in a world where we question everything, is it okay to question our faith? Is it okay to question our faith? Will our faith stand up in the depth of the questions that an investigative journalist will ask? Somebody that's used to investigating murders and crimes, will the case for Christ stand up to scrutiny? Today, our guest asks these questions and more. And he wrote a book about it, The Case for Christ. And it's now going to be a major motion picture being released in some theaters nationwide on the 6th of April and nationwide on the 7th of April. Lee Strobel will be joining us in just about five minutes. But in the meantime, the two people that helped arrange this, good friends of I Work For Him, Kathy Branzell with Love 2020 and Mission America, she helped me connect to Pure Flix where we had Franklin Santagetti on the air a few months ago. These two helped us get Lee Strobel on the show and talk about the movie, The Case for Christ, and the book, The Case for Christ. Kathy Branzell, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, good to be back. So let's just talk about this. I mean, you helped get this all arranged. This is a big deal. What what do you think is the most important thing we should highlight today uh, about the book, The Case for Christ, the movie, The Case for Christ? What What do you think is the most important thing? So this, it was so important to me for all of your listeners to get to hear about this, because in my opinion, this movie, this first this book, but now this movie, because we're a visual culture, is what I would believe is the sweetest, strongest gift that could be given to any disciple maker. So whoever it is that you're out there, even for yourself, because understand that doubt is not a sin. When you just question, when you come at it with an open heart wanting to learn, that's not. It's unbelief that's the sin. And so for yourself, for that neighbor, for that family member, that person at school, at work, whoever that person or people are that are like, you have got to be kidding me. Don't you know that's just a fairy tale? We are being given this beautiful movie that is entertaining. It's also a love story. It's about marriage. It's about so many things, but that will answer the questions and just continue to build the foundation, the strength of it all, where you go, it's true. It's true. I can base my life on this. It's true. And and also for just disciple makers who are like, I, I, I don't share my faith because I don't know what if they ask about. What if they ask about the swoon theory? What if they ask about, you know, um, all the different aspects? Uh, Can I really believe the Bible? And this movie, um, with great entertainment, but with great education, so I call it information and inspiration, both together on the big screen, will give you those answers and strengthen your ability to share the love and message of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I had the privilege of watching 
the movie. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'd never read the book. I watched the movie and I'm like, wow. And then I got a mm-hmm. copy of the book and I just finished the book on Sunday night because I only got it a, you know, a week and a half ago. And, and mm-hmm. what I... I loved it. I, I mean, I should have read this book 30 years ago when it came out. Okay, it came out 20-some years ago, but I should have read it because all of the time, I didn't know all of yeah. the proof. I just didn't know. So in, yeah. in ignorance, I, I mean, I just was, I believe by faith. I know it because I know what Jesus has done in my life. But to know some of the facts, I mean, I actually right. know what you're talking about when you talk about the swoon theory now. I mean, I've, I've read the chapters. I've, I've read it from cover to cover, and I'm like, wow. Hey, yeah. I, what I love best, I was having a conversation with my massage therapist today while I'm on the table. She's getting the knots out of my back. And they're like, hey, I got a really interesting show. She's not necessarily a, a Christ follower. She may be a pre-Christian. And I said, hey, this is an incredible book because it debunks all, and the movie the same way. The Both of them together. Yep. The movie just puts it into verbal, into visual action. The, the book just has a lot more detail. But it, it puts it into the facts and figures, hey, belief in Christ it's you can back it up with the facts. In fact, there's more facts that Jesus lived, breathed, died, and resurrected than proof that Alexander the Great exists. I love that. Right. Yeah, love it. And it's so um, non-confrontational. You know, people can get into arguments, they want to fight, but when you go to a movie and you're eating popcorn and you're just learning something new and the heart opens, and then you can have a discussion afterwards. That's sweet. I mean, this is such a gift from Lee and from Pure Flix. I'm just so excited. I want everyone to go see this movie. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I can't wait for it to come out. We should probably bring all of our small groups from our churches to go see this so they can understand absolutely. that you can really defend your faith without a problem. All right, so here's my question for you. What do you think is the biggest obstacle to an atheist coming to believe in Christ? What, do you, what, what have you heard when you've had conversations with people? <sighs> well, a couple of things. One being just the, the church just needs to own it. The people who have already accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we need to be loving and living like He called us to live because belief determines behavior. And if we say we believe one thing and we behave differently, that's a big problem. And so I think that that can be the excuse of an atheist, but it might just be the reason they don't want to go seeking, because we have to remember, we have to keep our, uh, to use a big word, our Christology, we have to keep that right. We're not asking people to come join our club, we're asking people to meet the creator of the universe who authored their days and loves them more than they could ever understand, and who offers forgiveness. Right. And and bridges that gap. So that's the big piece. And the second thing is, you can't see him. You know, it's just, right. uh, I, it, where's the proof? And and people, you know, need proof. If I'm going to base my behavior and my belief uh, and, and give my life over to something, where's the proof? And that's what the Case for Christ offers. And it does it in video form, in, in audio form. How about this? On the movie screen, coming out on April the 6th, and in a few theaters, and nationwide on April the 7th. And what I loved about it is it's going to get people to intrigue enough to really ask some deep questions. Kathy Branzell with Love 2020, thanks for making this introduction. Thanks for being an I work for him, being a big supporter. We love you very, very much. Love you, too. You guys have a great conversation. All right. Lee Strobel, welcome to I Work For Him. Hello, how are you? I'm doing okay. I understand you're off in the woods uh, playing with, uh, with, with polar bears and, uh, and wild dogs and stuff like that. We hope we can keep the connection, but we're so, we're so grateful that you're willing to come on to I Work For Him today and talk about your, the great movie. I mean, it's a great, wow. great movie. So excited uh, for the nation to see the movie, The Case for Christ. 
Well, I'm I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, we've had uh, kinds of connectivity problems today, and uh, so we're seeing that this line holds up. Uh, I'm in the woods. I don't get great cell reception here, but um, you might want to yeah, put we'll... one arm in the air so you create a little yeah. antenna or something like that. Did you okay, ever? I... Did you ever imagine, Lee? Did you ever imagine that your search for truth regarding Christ would impact millions, tens of millions of people? I mean, not the book I even to find a publisher, um, because the rap was that the were not interested. All right, we're having a little bit of t- connectivity problems with Lee. I'm going to have AC if he can work that out a little bit. It is. I was asking him the question, did you ever imagine that his search for truth regarding Christ would impact so many millions? And I, nobody ever, when, when he wrote this book, there's no way he ever imagined that it would touch it. He was doing this search. When you get to see the movie on April the 6th and 7th, as it rolls out nationwide, The Case for Christ, he was doing this research. His, 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 I don't want to give away the story. Well, I'm going to a little bit anyway. He was going to talk about it. But when you, uh, he, his wife came to Christ. Uh, because of a, a connection that the you know a God incident, a God incident, his wife came to Christ, and well, I, we'll we got him back on Ace. We good? All right, Lee, we'll try this again. So I asked you the question: Did you ever imagine that your search for Christ, your search to prove that Christ was a joke, that it would ever impact millions of people? No, I, I really had no idea. In fact, um, at the time, books on apologetics or evidence for the faith didn't sell. And so I didn't think the publisher would be interested. I actually pitched about 10 different projects to the publisher and uh, never expecting they would say yes to the case for Christ. But then we prayed about it, and um, at the end they said, you know what, we feel this is the book to do, and um, we're going to go with it because we think this is the book that God uh, has on on your heart. So uh, they took a flyer on it, and and God took it and did more with it than we ever could have anticipated. Took it far beyond what we ever thought. And now into a big screen, into a movie theater near you on April the 6th and April the 7th, rolling out across the nation. We've got Lee Strobel, the leading apologist, in my opinion, in America, who can write apologetics for eighth graders. Guys like me that read at a simple level, helping us understand that the case for Christ is not only closed, but it's signed, sealed, delivered, and easy to defend. Lee Strobel, thanks for being on I Work For Him today. I'm glad to do it. Thanks. So, you know, your book sold over 14 million copies. So since there's, but but now than ever, there's more atheists now than ever. How do you think the movie is going to answer some of those pressing questions that atheists, they just want to know the answers? Well, uh, let me um, first off, you're atheist ever. Uh, when polling was done in America, uh, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and people are asked their opinion about the religion and so forth. People, because this was a cultural, much more of a Christian cultural nation, uh, they socially pressed. But people thought, hey, I'm an American, I'm a Christian, they would say that. Now we live in a country where people uh, are much more willing to be honest about where they stand spiritually. Right. Uh, they don't feel that social pressure to claim to be Christians. In fact, it's much more accepted and popular to claim skepticism or atheism. So I question uh, how much the percentage of non-believers has really gone up. I think people are more honest than they were before. I think we had a lot of non-believers before who would claim they were Christians, who would say they were Christians, just because it was socially acceptable. Now I think they're more willing to be honest and say, no, I'm really a skeptic, or no, I'm a doubter, or no, I'm an atheist. 
Um, in fact, that's often more popular and more socially acceptable than say your question. So, um, you know, perhaps the numbers have gone up a bit. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I, I do think some of it has to do with the social um, acceptance of skepticism in our culture. I would agree. Uh, people more willing to identify. But I think, you know, for a movie like this, um, you know, my book, The Case for Christ, over 300 pages and deals with evidence from a variety of different sources and experts with PhDs from Cambridge and Yale and Brandeis and major universities. Um, you can't do that in a movie. Movies are going to uh, hit the highlights of the evidence. So will it uh, be convincing to a staunch atheist? Probably not. Um, but I think the evidence is there. I think it's compelling. I think it's clear. And I think it may people in their own spiritual investigation and perhaps open them up to saying, you know what, uh, even though I don't yet believe it, um, this is maybe something I should investigate myself. And uh, that, in and of itself, would be a great thing. Well, and that's that's what I loved about the story, as it depicts you in the movie, The Case for Christ, which is going to be released some movie theaters, 500 movie theaters on April the 6th, and nationwide on April the 7th. What I loved is that you were a proclaimed atheist, yet you really hadn't done any research to come to that conclusion. How many how many atheists are in that same seat today? Yeah, I, I, that's not really true. I mean, um, my initial thought, and as a teenager... Um, I concluded that the existence of an all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe was absurd on its surface and not worth checking out. Uh, but subsequent to that, um, I, I did, as I grew in my atheism, uh, became a fan of Bertrand Russell and Anthony Flew and other skeptics and atheists, uh, and, and certainly became knowledgeable about uh, the philosophical underpinnings of skepticism and atheism. So, you know, I, I think my atheism, uh, by the time I got to college, was well-grounded. Um, and, and further, when I took a course in college from a skeptic who was teaching on the historical Jesus, and uh, from his perspective, uh, teaching me that you can't trust what the New Testament tells us about Jesus. So um, so I had a pretty good basis for my skepticism uh, beyond just a gut-level reaction that uh, is just not true. Um, so I don't know how much that's true of, of, of atheists in general. I think there's people all along that spectrum, just as there are people of faith, some of whom are knowledgeable about what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, some of them aren't. Um, doesn't make them perhaps less uh, convinced of their, um, of their convictions, um, just perhaps not as grounded as other people are. Well, so do you think your journey to Christ in doing the research, which in my mind, it kind of, you know, you and C.S. Lewis kind of echo each other. But in your research, you had, like you said, you were grounded what you thought you were grounded in your atheistic beliefs, but yet you hadn't done the kind of research to prove your your facts until your wife came to Christ. Isn't that true? Isn't that what really prompted you to dig deep? That's what prompted me to look on the other side and look at the evidence for Christianity to try to determine whether or not there was sufficient evidence to believe it's true. So, you know, I was, I was kind of um, in my bunker as, a, as an atheist, um, believing uh, the other atheist writers that, um, you know, there was, there was no such thing as a supernatural and that, uh, you know, we can't believe in, um, um, you know, the existence of a God and so forth, that it's not reasonable. Um, but when I began, because of my wife's conversion, began to specifically investigate the evidence for Christianity. 
and began to look at the evidence for the um, the New Testament and its reliability, uh, for the evidence outside the Bible uh, that either contradicted or confirmed what the Bible told us about Jesus. Uh, yeah, then I went much further uh, in, in terms of trying to determine whether or not Christianity was true, with the hope I could kind of rescue my wife from this uh, uh, cult that she got involved in, uh, and so we could go back to our marriage the way it had been. And that's what I love about the movies. Well, you tell me, how involved were you? I mean, how close to the story? Because your book, The Case for Christ, doesn't talk about your personal life surrounding it. It just talks about your journey and the meetings that you had. How close to the real story does the movie depict how you and your bride were getting along through this whole process? Yeah, that's very accurate. In fact, uh, there's another book that I wrote with my wife, Leslie, called Spiritual Mismatch, which was and that she was a Christian, I was an atheist. And um, that book delves into the personal side much more, and the, really the movie draws from both books. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, especially the part about our marriage, about the conflict we had, it was a tumultuous era of our relationship. All of a sudden our worldviews are clashing in every area of life, uh, in the area of uh, how we're going to spend our finances, how we're going to raise our children, um, how we're going to spend our weekends. Um, I was feeling jealous of her relationship with Jesus because all of a sudden there was another man in our marriage. Um, I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like the fact that she was getting pulled into an evangelical subculture where I wasn't welcome as an atheist. So I was I was uh, pretty feisty, pretty angry about uh, the direction she was going. And the movie is really accurate in portraying that kind of tension and and um, um, conflict that uh, resulted. I remember once. At one point, um, where I literally blew up with anger and rage over her going to church, that I reared back and kicked a hole right through our living room wall, um, just out of out of rage. Um, in the movie, they changed it a bit, where I overturn a, a flower stand, but uh, I actually kicked a hole right through our wall. They probably didn't think people would believe that, but it was true. <laughs> So, I mean, and that's what I, I thought that it was real, but I didn't know for sure. But I, I, I guess I, my, my wife and I do a lot of marriage mentoring. We get involved in a lot of couples where one spouse has come to Christ and the other one is still going, I'm not really sure. But that struggle for your wife being on the other side going, wait a minute, but I really believe in Jesus. He's impacted my life. But my husband doesn't believe. How hard was it on her? As it's depicted in the movie, The Case for Christ, which is coming out on, on April the 6th, people get it lined up. For April the 7th, for a nationwide rollout, The Case for Christ is really a good movie. How hard was it for your wife to maintain her faith while you were doing everything you can to prove that it wasn't real? It was extremely hard. In fact, there's some scenes in the movie that are virtually verbatim from conversations we had. And I remember telling me, you know, I feel like I'm on this exotic journey uh, to to these wonderful places, and I can't even take you along. I can't even tell you about it. You won't even listen to me uh, talk about it. Um, it was extremely frustrating. The three things that really saved her in that moment, number one, she built a relationship with a mentor, a Christian. In the movie, her name is Alfie. In real life, it was a, a Christian nurse by the name of Linda. And uh, they became best friends. And Linda was the one who was able to mentor her in her spiritual growth and was able to be a shoulder to cry on, someone to pray for her, someone to encourage her. But he, she would never let it become Linda and Leslie versus Lee. Uh, she wouldn't let Leslie fall into a pity party. Uh, she always looking for constructive approaches. Second relationship Leslie built was a relationship with God. She continued to grow as best she could in a relationship with God, knowing that God would change her in ways 
that I would ultimately find winsome and attractive, which which is true. And then third, her relationship with me. Uh, we got married because we love each other, and there's a lot of things we like to do in common. So she would build on those things to keep the marriage together when it was threatened to be blown apart by this spiritual mismatch. That's pop. What you just did there was a three-point sermon in under a minute and a half. I love that. <laughs> well, because there's so many couples out there that that's the case, where one, well, either know, the husband or the... Go ahead. about it. If churches are doing their job, they're creating spiritually mismatched couples because it's rare that a husband and wife will come to faith at the same time. Right. And so if some, if one person is being led to Christ, now all of a sudden you've created an unequally yoked marriage, and they're going to deal with all kinds of conflict as a result of that. So you're right. Churches need to be aware of this, and uh, that's why we wrote the book Spiritual Mismatch, to help people in that situation. But how often do atheists feel welcome in a church? Oh, it's it's extremely difficult. In fact, you know, I remember when um, Leslie invited me to go to church, and they, you know, I was sleeping off a hangover. It was a sad, Sunday morning. I was sleeping off a hangover. I didn't want to do anything. She's getting ready to go to church, and she looks at me, and she says, why don't you come to church with me today? And, you know, I didn't want to go because, as an atheist, I, I, I'm going to feel so uncomfortable. I'm not going to know what to do, when to sit, when to stand, what to, what to say. I'm going to feel out of place. I'm going to feel embarrassed. But I said yes because I felt like I was losing her to this Christian subculture, and I wanted to rescue her. And uh, so I said to her, you know what, I'm going to bring my reporter's notebooks. I was a reporter at the Chicago Tribune at the time. I said, I'm going to bring my reporter's notebooks. I'm going to find a scandal, and uh, and then I'm going to expose this church, uh, you know, the scandal I'm going to find. So I literally brought my reporter's notebook the first time I went into the church, uh, hoping to find something that I could uh, put on the front page about how this was a sham. Did you really have an argument or threaten Linda and say, listen, stay away from my wife, don't talk to my wife anymore? Because in the movie, it gets pretty intense between you and your wife's mentor. Yeah, I, there were times I told her to back off, and um, I, there was one time, I remember when Leslie and I got into a fight about her going to church, and, and I went out to mow the lawn, and Leslie had planted this beautiful flower bed, and I just mowed down the whole flower bed. <laughs> it was just... You know, very mature of me to do, but uh, I, I just mowed it all down. One of your finer moments, I'm sure. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> Lee Strobel's calling to us from a remote location in an undisclosed place in some foreign forest somewhere in our country. Lee, I, I, there's a lot of people. This is a, this is a faith and work radio program. And, and so there's all kinds of people that work alongside non-believers, atheists, atheists and agnostics all over the country that listen to the show. And they want to know, how do they engage in a conversation? So I want to ask you a couple of questions. So here's a, what was the biggest roadblock for you to, that kept you from believing all that you were uncovering in your research as you jetted around the country trying to research Jesus? What was the biggest roadblock? Well, I think there were several. Uh, one was, of course, I had intellectual objections and doubts. Uh, you know, I was doubtful that there would be any historical data that would back up the claims of the resurrection. Uh, so I had intellectual doubts. But often, that's not the sole reason people are skeptics. Usually, there's some other reason, and there was for me. Uh, there were moral reasons. Um, I enjoyed my lifestyle as a robust sinner. Um, I mean, I was a... Um, very successful journalist at the Chicago Tribune, winning awards for investigative reporting. But on Saturday night, I was literally drunk in the snow in an alley on, you know, in the evenings. Um, you know, I was, I was the life of the bar, uh, buying everybody drinks, and I enjoyed my lifestyle as a, a high-functioning drunk. 
Um, and there were also emotional issues. Um, you know, it's interesting, if you study the famous atheists of history, and you go down the list, Camus, Sartre, Nietzsche, uh, Freud, Feuerbach, Voltaire, Wells, um, O'Hare, just go down the list. They all had um, a father with whom they had a very difficult relationship, or their father died when they were young or divorced their mother when they were young. And Freud even commented on this. Why would you want to pursue a heavenly father if your earthly father has disappointed or hurt you? Your heavenly father is just going to be worse. He's just going to be a magnified version of your earthly father and hurts you even more. So often, I think, and I think in my case, I had a very difficult relationship with my dad. My dad looked at me on the eve of my high school graduation and said, I don't have enough love for you to fill my little finger. Um, so I had a very difficult relationship with him. It never healed in, uh, until he died. And um, um, was that a factor in me pursuing uh, skepticism and atheism? I think it probably was. Uh, so I, whereas I'd like to believe in my pride that it was merely my intellectual superiority that made me doubt Christianity, um, other, you know, I think there were moral issues and I think there were emotional issues as well. I think that's often true of people. Not always, but often. Well, and I, the atheists that I have talked to, many of them have been hurt by the church. And, and, and yeah. they just, and they've been, and, and in the name of Jesus, they're hurting people. And so yep. they, they're like, well, gosh, if that's what the church is like, you know, the God, God must be fake too. Uh, and that's, yeah, you know, one of my, one of my friends, uh, Maggie, who is a 24 year old nurse was uh, abused by people who claimed to be Christians when she was growing up. She was poisoned against God and the church running the other way. Uh, and then she heard about a debate that we did in Chicago between an atheist and a Christian on the issue of the existence of God. And she came to see the Christian uh, destroyed in the debate uh, when actually the Christian clearly won the debate, uh, she then began asking questions and seeking God, and uh, ended up coming to faith in Jesus. And and that's it's the ability to for Christians to let pre Christians ask tough questions. Yeah, because because we we sometimes get defensive when people ask questions about our faith, but really we have to let people ask questions. Now you may not know all the answers, but. Most of the answers that skeptics ask, most of the answers that they're looking for are in your book, and some of them are yeah. addressed in the movie. Yeah, you know, um, it's true, and, and when you think about, um, biblically, uh, John the Baptist, if anybody should have known the identity of Jesus being the Son of God, it was John the Baptist. He pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, he pointed to Jesus and said, uh, This is, um, you know, the Son of God, uh, you know, I, I can testify, I've seen well, then he gets thrown in prison, and he starts to have doubts. But what does he do? He pursues answers. He su- uh, sends out his friends to track Jesus down and ask him, point blank, are you the one we've been waiting for, or we'd wait for somebody else? Now, how does Jesus react? Does he get mad that John asked questions? Did he get mad that John asked, expressed the doubt? No. He said, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. In other words, go back to John, tell him about the evidence you've seen with your own eyes that convinces you that I am the one I claim to be. So uh, he goes, they go back, the friends of John, and they tell John this. But here's the thing. This is not disqualified John from any role in the kingdom of God because he dared to ask a question. It's okay. It was after this incident that Jesus got up and said, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John. Right. John the doubter. So it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have doubts as long as we do what John did and we pursue answers. 
And as long as you do what you did and pursue answers and the truth. I mean, and that's that's really the case. So, you know, in the movie, The Case for Christ, and, and it's, yeah. like I said, it's coming out on April the 7th. I keep repeating it because I want people to know, hey, get lined up for, that's just next Friday. <laughs> it's a week from Friday. I know. It's yeah. very exciting. That's got to just freak you out a little bit, that there's a it movie does. about your life. Did you, <laughs> I'm sure when they came to you and said, you know what, Lee, let's do a movie about your life in The Case for Christ. What did you say when they said that to you? Well, I knew it was going to be embarrassing because I was only going to make the film if it was honest. And, uh, you know, I'm not proud of my behavior when I was a narcissistic, um, uh, heavy drinking, um, you know, self-absorbed, uh, self-destructive uh, journalist at the Chicago Tribune. And, and uh, that is on the screen and it's not easy to watch. Um, uh, and I regret a lot of my behavior before I became a Christian. Uh, but we figured if we're going to tell the story, we got to tell it fairly. We got to tell it accurately. It's got to it's got to tell the truth. And so, um, you know, even though in doing a movie, there's obviously some time shifting that has to happen and some composite characters just to make it work in the 90 minute time frame. <laughs> but this movie is about you know about 85 percent what what happened. That's and, fantastic. Um, so um, you know, it's uncomfortable. My my wife has watched it ten times, and, and when I asked her why do you keep watching it, she said because I want to get cried out. Um, <laughs> Before so, she... that I, so that when I see it in public, I don't cry and embarrass myself. I mean, this is emotional for us. This is our life. It's real, yeah, and it's real, and it's and it's yeah. transparent, and it's vulnerable. It's all of that. So, as an, an atheist in pursuit of truth, what you were you yeah. were just looking for truth? What was the real clincher for you in in saying, "Okay, I give up. You're real." What was the real clincher for you? It's real. Uh, the, the, hey, Anley, you, you, right. cut, you cut out right in the middle of when you start to answer the question, so come, try that again. Okay. Uh, it, it's really the case for the resurrection, and I can summarize very quickly. Number one, was Jesus dead? Well, even the Journal of the American Medical Association analyzed the historical and medical data and said he was clearly dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Uh, number two, do we have early reports so that this is not legend? Yes, we have a report of the resurrection, including named eyewitnesses and groups of eyewitnesses that dates back to within months of the death of Jesus, too early to be written off just as legend. Third, we've got an empty tomb that even the opponents of Jesus implicitly conceded was empty. And then fourth, we've got nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus. That is an avalanche of historical data. And on top of that, we have seven ancient sources inside and mostly outside the Bible confirming that the disciples lived lives of deprivation and suffering as a result of their proclamation that Jesus had risen. In other words, there was no incentive for them to lie about this. They only brought them suffering and um, um, uh, you know, deprivation as a result of their proclamation. So this is a this is a strong historical case that Jesus not only claimed to be the Son of God, but he backed up that claim by returning from the dead. And your book does such a good job of going to the details that the movie touches. The movie touches a lot of these details, like you said, though, in, 90, in 90 minutes. You can only cover so yeah. much because you had drama involved at the same time, real-life drama. You know, Lee, I, I've got a couple of friends who are atheists, and, and they wanted to be able to ask you questions on air and that we couldn't get that worked out. But they asked me if I could ask you a couple of questions for you to kind of sure. talk through. So here, here's one of the questions. If the supernatural rebirth of Jesus did indeed happen, doesn't it make possible the supernatural events in other religions, such as the creation? 
creation of the earth for the purpose of the rule of Muhammad or the reincarnation beliefs of the Buddhist religion. Why, if the path to heaven is narrow, are billions of people put at a disadvantage by being raised and immersed in other be good and loving religions? Well, okay, there's two questions there. One is, it's a, it's a logical fallacy to say that because the resurrection occurred, therefore other uh, supernatural events are therefore uh, historically reliable as well. Uh, you really have to look, what is the evidence specifically for any historical event? Um, now, we can look at the evidence for the resurrection, as I've articulated and written hundreds of pages on. We have good evidence to back up the fact that this actually occurred. That's not really true when you look at other faith systems and the supernatural claims that they make. Uh, for instance, in the Quran, uh, it says that Jesus did not die on the cross. Um, well, you know, the Quran was written 600 years after the death of Jesus. I've got first century accounts um, right, that go right back to the beginning that say that he was dead when he was executed. In fact, we have five ancient sources outside the Bible confirming and corroborating that. So, you know, I've got, I think I've got a better historical case for that than the Quran makes for the opposite. So I think we have to evaluate each uh, claim um, in and of itself and, and examine the evidence for it or against it. And then in terms of, um, you know, what about people put at this disadvantage, we have to understand um, that, first of all, everybody in the world uh, has a moral standard written on their hearts by God, and everyone is guilty of violating that standard. We're all guilty. We all do things we knew were wrong when we did them, and we did them anyway. And secondly, we know that everyone has enough information from observing the world to know that God exists, but we've suppressed that and, and rejected God anyway. Uh, so we don't come into this uh, purely as, as innocent people. But we also know from the Bible that those who sincerely seek God are going to find Him. We know that from the Old Testament. We know it from the New Testament. Uh, in fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is seeking us first, making it possible for us to seek God. And so this suggests to me that, that people around the world, in any culture, in any nation, in any part of the planet, who respond to the understanding they have and who earnestly seek after the one true God will have an opportunity in some way to receive the eternal life that God has graciously provided through Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, Genesis 18.25 says, Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And nobody will be able to walk away from being judged by God and legitimately shake their fists and say, that was unfair. We will all ultimately see the fairness of it. Mm. Um, so, you know, we all have a problem with sin, and the question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to deal with it ourselves? Uh, well, we don't want to do that. Um, or are we going to allow Jesus to uh, pay the penalty that we deserve for our rebellion and, and um, 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 immoral behavior um, through Jesus Christ? And if we allow him to do that, uh, then we can enter into a relationship with him forever. But, um, you know, there's only three camps of people in the world. One are those who are followers of Jesus. Secondly are those who are seeking, sincerely seeking answers. And third are those who don't care or are not seeking answers. Well, there's no benefit to being in that third camp. You know, if you're in the second camp, you're going to end up in the first camp. Right. Because the Bible says if you sincerely seek God, you're going to find it. Right. So, you know, you're better off not being in that third camp and just, you know, suppressing what you know and walking the other way. But 
going to that second camp and saying, I'm going to sincerely seek evidence like I did and so many millions of other people have. You know, we talk about people in different cultures. How are they going to make a decision for Jesus? Well, Christianity is, is a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, there are Christians all over the planet, people who give their lives to spread this message of hope and grace uh, to cultures all over the, all over the planet. Um, and, and so we find uh, Christians in, in virtually every nation in the world. Right. Uh, and, and so I, I don't think there's anything unfair about the way that uh, uh, God um, acts toward us. I love the way you answer that question. I want to ask one more question. What is yeah. your What is your prayer as this movie goes out nationwide on April the seventh? The Case for Christ. What's your prayer? What do you want? How do you want us to pray? Well, my prayer is that Christians will take a risk, uh, come to the film, but also invite someone who's maybe spiritually confused. Uh, because the gospel is in this film, and the evidence is in this film, and it's an entertaining film. I think, you know, there's not, they're not going to cringe, they're not going to see any cheesiness, uh, they're going to be proud that, that, you know, this is a, a faith-based film that is really well done. And um, uh, I hope they take a risk to invite someone, and then go out for coffee afterwards, have a conversation, talk about the film, talk about life, talk about faith, uh, ask them what character they uh, related to. Ask them if they've ever done what they saw Lee do in the film uh, to turn from the, the life he was living and receive this free gift of God's grace. And uh, let God lead those conversations. And, 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 and then invite them to come back the next week to Easter at your church. Ah, that's fantastic. Lee, can we pray about that right now? Father, yeah, Father, I just want to lift up this movie, The Case for Christ, Lee, Lee's story, Lee and Leslie's story, as they just shared transparently what you did in their lives. Father, we pray that you would multiply this effort from 14 million to 14 hundred million. I don't I would just Lord that so many people would see this and that they would be intrigued to seek Jesus. That this would be an incredible transformation in neighborhoods and churches around our country. Father, thank you for Lee Strobel and for him sharing his story. Amen. Lee Strobel, thanks Amen. for being on I work for him today. Really appreciate everything you've done. God bless you and God bless this movie. I I hope someday we can catch up again. Absolutely. God bless you and all your listeners. Now, it's important to note when The Case for Christ comes out on April the 7th in theaters nationwide, this movie was produced by Pure Flix. Again, an organization committed to excellence, committed to producing phenomenal films, high-quality films that are family-friendly and Christ-centered. And they decided to produce The Case for Christ, and we've got Franklin Santaghetti. He's an executive with Pure Flix. He's joining us for the last segment of I Work For Him. Franklin, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you. Glad to be here. That was a marathon, trying to keep keep Lee on the line. That was fantastic. Thanks so much for arranging all this. Why did Pure Flix say, hey, this is a movie we've got to make? Well, it actually fits in with our uh, framework, if you will. God's Not Dead established the existence of God. God's Not, de- uh, God's Not Dead 2 established the historical evidence of Jesus and the validity of the Gospels. And if you look at Do Do You Believe, we had the power of the cross to change a life in Woodlawn, the power of the Gospel to heal racial prejudice, and now the case for Christ, which is the evidence for the execution or crucifixion and the death and resurrection of Jesus. Every one of our films has a core pillar of truth and light that we plant in our ever-darkening culture, and this fit in perfectly uh, with our brand, if you will. When you look at Lee Strobel's story that you guys portray in The Case for Christ, coming out in theaters on April the 7th nationwide, what's the biggest thing you wanted viewers, attendees of those theaters, what is the biggest thing you wanted people to get out of that movie? Well, first of all, the thing that attracted us to 
the book was his incredible story, which is the journey from being a committed atheist to a converted Christian. And we thought if we could capture that, we could connect with so many who need to come to faith in Christ through that story. And so we had Brian Bird, who wrote Touched by an Angel, uh, Wind Calls the Heart, so many great pieces of digital media, uh, whether it be episodic or film. Uh, we, when, when Brian Bird looked at the book, he said, well, we need to sit down and really find the story behind the book. And that's what's so exciting about this movie. You heard Lee say earlier, this is about his life, and, and sometimes it's embarrassing, but this is the story that gives people hope. It's the journey from you know, Leslie was agnostic. Lee was an atheist, and they were happy. And then all of a sudden, Leslie comes to faith in Christ and then becomes the, the parental and marital conflict. And that this movie kind of traces that journey from that beginning of conflict into the point where Lee finally, you know, confesses Christ as his Savior. But there's three tracks, that story, and then, of course, you have the investigative story, uh, which is Lee's book is so famous about, and you have that so beautifully presented. And then there's a third track. Lee was uh, a legal, uh, you know, uh, editor for the uh, Chicago Tribune, but he also did other kinds of investigative story. And there's an investigative story about a police shooting that those three tracks parallel all the way through the movie, and then they culminate with an incredible ending. So it was really that story that we thought was wonderful about, you know, to translate into a theatrical and, of course, in the DVDs and then streaming, and we're so excited about it. Uh, and I'm excited. When I got a chance to preview the movie, I'm like, this movie is excellent. And it, and it's real, because I, I had known enough about Lee's story, it was real, and when you can put a real movie out there and get a point across and defend Christ all in the same time and deal with marriage issues and, and the unequally yoked issues, things that we deal with all day, I loved it. I just loved it. PureFlix is doing a phenomenal job, and just recently you guys launched your own TV channel, kind of like a Netflix, uh, uh, but, but PureFlix. Talk about that really quick. Well, it's faith and family, and it's a place where families that are Christian or just people who have a moral compass want to have a safe place to be able to have their children, their family, uh, watch TV and not worry about uh, anything that's going to appear that's going to be offensive or going to shock or whatever. And we launched it uh, a year and a half ago. We have over 6,000 titles. Right now, people are viewing Pure Flix at the rate of 6 million hours per year. And when you really think about that, that's, a, that's an immense number of If they would only hours. read their Bible that many hours a year, that would be fantastic. Yes. Franklin Santaghetti, thank you so much for helping arrange Lee Strobel to be on iWork for him. Thank you for your support. Thank you for PureFlix for just making an impact on our culture. I, we just, I'm praying blessings on what you guys are doing because you guys are impacting our culture and bringing truth, and we are all grateful. Thank you, Franklin. Thank you for your show, Jim. We appreciate you as well. Blessings to all. All right, thank you. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him radio show, I, I know you feel like you were on a marathon. Well, if you don't, I do. This was incredible. And if you want to get a copy of The Case for Christ, just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iworkforhim.com. I I I'm just out of breath. It's so incredible. Make sure you go to see this movie on April the 6th on in theaters, you know, limited theaters, but on the 7th nationwide, The Case for Christ by Pure Flix. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. I figured out that my workplace, it was my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.